everyone, and welcome to another ATNWB podcast episode. I am obviously Chris Booker Taylor, and on this episode, we will be discussing The Matrix 4 and how there should be two more sequels after it, the new Mortal Kombat movie, and a bunch of other stuff. So enjoy the episode! Welcome to the AT&WB podcast. I am your host, uh, Booker Taylor. And I'm Alex Wilson. And our bona fides include, uh, I used to work for a company that had a contract with Disney that I digitally, where I digitally restored old Disney movies, which included Bicentennial Man, Midnight Madness, and the classic The Color of Night which uh, (laughs) is the most Disney movie you could possibly have, considering there's a a naked woman swimming in the movie at one point, and you see all of her. It's the the most Disney movie you can imagine. I need to see that immediately. It's not on Hulu or Disney+. Plus. This, obviously, it's a Hollywood Pictures movie, technically, but Disney Disney Mm. does own all of those films. There's also Consenting Adults, which is where um, uh, I was just talking about him from In-N-Out, Kevin Klein and uh, and Kaiser Sose. What's his name? Uh, I don't know. Kaiser uh, Sose. Yeah, from House of Cards. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't think of it. It's not... Um... Kevin Spacey, is it? Kevin Spacey, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's Kevin Klein and Kevin Spacey. It's just funny they both have the same first name and I couldn't get to it. Anyway. <laughs> um, the Kevins. They they switch wives. Again, Hollywood pictures oh owned by Disney. Like, one night they're, they're neighbors and one night one goes into the other one's house and, and vice versa. And then they, like, sleep with each other's wives. And then, like, a couple days later... Uh, one of the wives is murdered, and it's like that obvious gonna... that Kevin Spacey did it because he's Kevin fucking Spacey. <laughs> is that going to be the secret uh, Marvel Disney Plus series they haven't announced yet? <laughs> yeah, Consenting Adults Two, starring mm-hmm. a much older Kevin Klein and the same aged Kevin Spacey. I feel like he's yeah. look he looks the same. He has blonde and he still looks hair good. in this movie too. I think that's important. And then there's like mm-hmm. this movie. It's not like Mike, because isn't that the basketball movie? Yeah, that one's the one... It's not Lil' Romeo, uh, but it's somebody who... Some little kid who, uh, yeah. you know, that <laughs> wants to be Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's... it's That's about it. It's little... Isn't it not Puppy? It might be Lil' Romeo. Not Lil' Puppy. Or Lil' Bow Wow. Lil' Bow Wow. There you go. Lil yeah, Pop-Pop. I think it's Bow Wow. Yeah, I think it is Bow Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Little puppy. Isn't, I couldn't remember. Isn't Jonathan, exactly. Lip, isn't Jonathan Lipnicki like his sidekick in that movie or something? I've never seen it. I'm not sure. Is right. Michael Jordan ever in the movie? I think he probably has a cameo at least. I've never seen it either, but I, I'd hate to think that they made a movie called Like Mike centering around being like Michael Jordan and he doesn't at least drive by in a car and wave at Lil Bow Wow at some point. But I, I highly doubt that he will. He hated filming Space Jam. See how I brought it all back? He hated, yeah. hated filming Space Jam, and that's why he never wanted to do a sequel. Ah, uh, okay, that that tracks then. Yeah. Uh, 
like Mike was distributed by 20th Century, which is now owned by Disney. So like Mike's probably a Disney movie now. Do you think Michael Jordan will have at least a cameo in this one, new one, or do you think he's just no? I'm done with this. I don't. I don't know. Like I feel like you know the line um, that Daniel Craig said about playing Bond again, even though he did. Like I'd rather slit my wrists than play Bond yeah. again. And then he <laughs> yeah, did go and play Bond again. Um, well, I, I feel like that's what Michael Jordan felt like after the first Space Jam. But then he did go on to make MCI commercials, which was that's true. Do you remember MCI? I remember that was a credit card company, right? No, it was uh, it was a uh, it, it was a phone company. Well, just, oh, okay. Like there was like Bell Atlantic, MCI, and Sprint, and I forget what happened to MCI. Um, but again, the, I like the, this is a, technically this is an AT and T podcast as well, so that's completely relevant. Like all of those types of companies, which AT and T, I guess it was also one of them. We had Altel, which was bought by AT&T, and yeah, Altel was like a big company centered in Little Rock for a while. You're probably right. On the East Coast, we had MCI. I don't know if MCI made it to Arkansas ever, but mm. um, I'm sure it, it got merged into some other company like Lucent or AT&T yeah. or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, I feel like I used to know that, too. Anyway, um, those are my bona fides for um, doing this podcast. Uh, what uh, what have you worked on, Alex? What TV shows have you worked on? Uh, I was a production assistant on the uh, worldwide hit Killer Women for ABC that ran for 12 seasons, and there's a movie. <laughs> uh, That's right, a, tri- a trilogy of Disney Plus movies. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was, a, it was a female Walker, Texas Ranger that ran for a season, um, and now they're, it's coming full circle because they're making a Walker, Texas Ranger reboot on the CW. So I hope that uh, her, like the killer women character, like makes a cameo in that, this new show. That would be awesome. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't uh, thought about that, but that would be a great little... Yeah, I don't know. Little, and, little homage and tying it in—that's a CW show, Walker Texas Ranger, because it's one, yeah. and it's also one of the two men from Supernatural. They were like yeah. boy, they went from boys to men in that show, and, yeah. <laughs> and the you know the the eighty season long uh, show Supernatural includes like an animated series uh, and oh, like I forgot comic they made books. An animated show. Yeah, I think it was like animated straight to like direct to home entertainment. D- oh, that makes sense. D T H E. I knew about the comic series, but I, I forgot about the animated shorts they did. Yeah, so I do. Um, I do have some uh, notes for nice. t- for for today, and I they, have no notes. They are they are old notes. But this is still perfectly relevant information. Um, we were the and the weekend that we're film we're recording this. We're actually filming this, but you'll never see yeah. the video. <laughs> I, I'll I'll never see the camera that's on me. It's it's, it's, it's true. Somewhere it's somewhere in your house. You don't know where it is. It's fine. <laughs> it's not the bathroom. It, really, it's not though. Like if you think it is, Just, it's ch- probably check not. Check the showerhead. Yeah, <laughs> never check the showerhead. Uh, that's what my mom used to tell me as a child. Never check the shower head. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do. I do have some stuff. Yeah. Oh, this weekend, of course, is the Birds of Prey is coming out, and 
we're all excited for that movie of course it looks really great um even like the action scenes look like they're really fun and cool right now it's got a 83 percent on rotten tomatoes yeah i love the cast i mean mary elizabeth winstead should be awesome uh journey bill smollett uh margot roby i mean should be a pretty good one yeah definitely and uh Kathy Yon is like you know directing which i think is really cool that this movie yeah. has such a it looks like it has such a style to it so of course we're all excited for it and i love i love the bright and colorful dc movies that really have their own sense of color and style which reminds me of the Joel Schumacher and Batman's which of course Batman Forever is my favorite Batman movie by far yeah and it looks like they took the fun like kind of best parts of the of the style of like uh of of suicide squad uh and then kind of the best kind of stylistic choices around the joker's character um and they're kind of losing losing a lot of like the the extremely dark moments that probably doesn't do anything for this kind of movie so i'm i'm excited to have more fun with dc movies yeah. uh, in line with Shazam and uh, some of those other films. Yeah, I do think with what they shot with Suicide Squad, there is a good edit of that movie out there somewhere. Yeah, but, but I'm not like I'm not tweeting every day to Warner Brothers about it. Like I feel like well, <laughs> hopefully one day maybe that'll happen, but it's not high on my radar. I'm excited for Birds of Prey, and then I'm excited for the new Suicide Squad movie, which. They did announce the cast for since we've been out, and it's pretty interesting with Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, Viola Davis is back as Amanda Waller, which is amazing, Jai Courtney again as Captain Boomerang, and Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flag. And then they also yeah, oh, go ahead. I'm ex- I'm excited for Joel Kinnaman. I mean, I think he's a phenomenal actor, and I hope he uh, they, they I hope they keep putting him in more and more movies. Um, he's really he's pretty good. excellent. He's excellent in what I've seen of Altered Carbon, so I'm, oh, wow. I hope that they give him more of a shot. Yeah, he was he was back in he was in The Killing, like back on AMC, oh, that's right. and he was good in that as well. And and Mar- Marielle Enos, who I met in real life, who is just like when you meet her in real life, you realize why she's an actor. You're just like yeah. she has a presence about her. It's really cool. All the the new people coming to the. Suicide Squad with James Gunn directing. I'm, I feel like they're almost done filming now. It is Peter Capaldi, Nathan Fillion, Idris Elba, Taika Waititi, Pete Davidson, um, and then David Dast Malshian. Do you know even who that is? Who's going to play Pol- Polka Dot Man? Uh, De- no. Daniela Melchior is going to play Ratcatcher. Flula Borg and Steve Agi. Is that how you say his name? Is Steve Agi? I thought it was Steve Agi. Yeah. Yeah. But, I'm, but I could be wrong. That's just how I I feel like it should be said. I think it's rumored that he's playing King Shark. That which is really cool. That King Shark is nice. going to be in the Suicide Squad. Do you do you know? Is there anyone else they announced in this movie that isn't on this list? Um, I thought I saw Peter Skarsgård, but that might have been a different movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He just kind of seems like one of those faces that could pop up in any of those. But yeah. uh, oh, I'm and James, sure. James Gunn's girlfriend, of course, is in the movie. Of, yeah, that's obvious to say, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and that that um that is coming out August sixth, twenty twenty one. 
So that's uh, fun to look forward to. It's going to have a, obviously oh, a very James Gunn style to it. There's so much, uh, I mean, I guess this isn't anything new, but it seems like there's so much more time for post-production nowadays. Like it used to be, I mean, it used to be they'd give you about a year tops if it was like a big tentpole film, but now it seems like they're giving people more and more time uh, to make sure they get it right in the edit before they release some of these. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, which is good. There's not really a race anymore since yeah. uh, I guess Marvel won with Endgame. So... <laughs> Yeah, and, and I guess people are scheduling release dates so far in advance that you have more and more time to plan out some of these things. Yeah, and I think the last, I think the output has been really, really great uh, with DC Comics. I think this is a stride they've hit, and uh, this, well, besides Suicide Squad, obviously Birds of Prey this weekend seems like it's gonna, it's it's really good, so it's awesome, and it's gonna do well. Um, also, Plex is a, a digital streaming platform for everything, and they are partnering with Warner Television. I think Plex has always been a paid app, but with the help of WBTV, they are moving into like free ad-supported streaming. I feel like Plex yeah. is going to be like how uh, Paramount and CBS have the Pluto TV like they just bought. I feel like it's going to be something like that. Oh, so Plex is going to help kind of design Warner's interface, or is it just kind of some development partnership? Or I think it's um, I think it's a partnership that I mean uh, that will. Like, I'm not sure actually because I'm less familiar with Plex, but I just know like it is a digital stream platform, and they've always been a paid app. But they're move. Um, I think with WBTV, they're moving more into like the free ad supported streaming oh got it well that makes sense i mean I, I know years ago i used to use plex a little bit because it was the best interface when you downloaded films legally of course uh to it just had the best interface as a as a library system for those films um so i i know them mainly from using them a few years ago when they were just kind of a digital library and now i think they have like you're saying transitioned into offering their own content and maybe offering their own services on yeah. an app that you could pay for. So maybe hopefully HBO Max or Warner Media is going to use some of that software and make their library look seamless and easy to use. Yeah, I guess I because, I, I mean, this new deal, the Warner Brothers stuff is going to be free just with ad supported and mm. uh, kind of like the CW Seed app. And the CW app, which you just watch commercials during the shows and they're free and you don't have to sign into anything in order to get them. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, especially especially since Warner has so much content, it makes sense to say, okay, well, some of this content is free, but you just have to uh, watch a few ads while you're watching it. And then some of it is going to be exclusive only to subscribers. So that, that, that would make sense to me. Yeah, that's how I watched the OC and Everwood was on the CWC app with commercials. And it's the same, like, you know, 30 commercials over and over again. Ooh. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you can just get up and do things instead of watching them. It's it's not too bad. And, yeah. And it was fun to watch those two. Uh, well, one's a WB Network show. One was an old Fox show. But they both, you know, like, uh, have the same vibe. For I mean, mm. you know, they're both like that same type of show. So, yeah. Uh, and 
where were we? We were talking about Plex. And their deal with Warner and Yeah, and also Warner Brothers made the OC, even though it was on Fox. Yeah. So it was in the port. I feel like I, I'm trying to watch all of like Warner Brothers TV or the WB Network shows that are like the you know kind of teen shows. So I've seen most of them now. And then Holly's watches them like like I'll watch Gilmer or uh, uh, Gossip Girl over her shoulder. Like, <laughs> yeah, but like I'm not gonna sit through all of those seasons and watch that show. But like you know I've seen like all of Buffy, all of Roswell. All of the OC and Everwood now, and all of Dawson's Creek, but Buffy and I've Angel, of course. I've seen a lot of Everwood, uh, a lot of Dawson's Creek. I'd like to go back and watch Roswell. I feel like that was one of those shows I missed. I'm watching um, the new Roswell too. I've seen all of that. Oh, how's that? Roswell, New Mexico. It's good. It's mm-hmm. Julie Pleck is executive producing the show, and she created with Kevin Williamson. Um, the vampire diaries, the, right? Exactly, and then she like added all these characters that were the first vampires into the show, and then she created the originals out of that show, and then out of the originals, which two of the characters, like one of the one of the originals, technically like has a daughter, and then there's a new show after the the originals that it's a it's all about her. Oh, is that the 100 or is that a completely different property? That's, that's a completely different ah, okay. property. Yeah. Um, Legacies. Legacies, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so and so Julie Plackney, she created this, this, she's created so much content for the WB Network. And she actually just got a deal with, I believe, Universal Television. Wow. Mm. That'll be interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you seen any of those shows? I have not. I mean, I've 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 caught a couple episodes of Vampire Diaries, um, but I didn't watch any of the spinoffs. I didn't watch originals or Legacies. Uh, okay. But uh, but but I'm. I, I think the originals is probably Julie. the best out of all of them. I'm a fan of Julie Pleck in that she came from kind of Kevin Williamson's school of writing, and so I think anybody who kind of came from uh his tutelage and his uh early shows uh has obviously got some skill and some and developed some great work yeah exactly and also uh her deal was for about 60 million uh deadline wow. is reporting with that's Uni- crazy yeah it's crazy it's with universal television with how much she's done with wb tv yeah, I wonder if, I mean, I would think Universal's next step TV-wise would be developing some of their old horror classics into TV properties, and having worked on Vampire Diaries and the originals and Legacies, she seems like a natural fit for yeah. maybe bringing some of those characters to a younger audience uh, in case they uh, abandon some of the dark universe film plans um, <laughs> yeah that's true it's good, it's good for universal to have like a like a teen tv writer like, yeah. like a tenured tv to teen t- no, a tenured teen tv genre. writer wow <laughs> a tenured teen tv writer that knows genre really well i mean so if they if they can get somebody who knows younger audiences and who knows how to write genre it seems like that's kind of their 
their bread and butter. I mean, Bates Motel is a great example of a universal TV show with an older property that they wrote for a slightly younger audience. And so I think if they could replicate some of that magic with other people, uh, that, that would be a ideal, be a big plus for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat. Do you like Mortal Kombat? I do like Mortal Kombat. Okay. Well, I've seen those movies. You both of them. Yes, I've seen both of them, and I actually am one of the rare few who prefers Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Wow! Uh, even though it's super cheesy and campy, uh, I just I just feel like they tried to go way too big with it in an amazing way. So it's just it's one of those that probably shouldn't have been made in the time it did. I you couldn't pull off some of those things CGI wise for uh, sure. I I I love the first movie, and then I saw the second movie in theaters, but Mortal Kombat Annihilation. But my distinct memory of that movie is when I was seventeen, I had an appendectomy, and I was a half an hour away from my appendix bursting and and dying, <laughs> essentially. Well, of course, you had a bad reaction to that movie. That <laughs> you didn't even give it a chance. <laughs> no, 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 no. This, 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 this was like I saw it in theaters, but then like. This this is years later, um, oh, I see. and and so like like this is a precursor to me watching the movie again. I have the appendectomy, uh, yeah, and and I, um, you know, I wake up in the room, and it's funny because like as I was being rushed into the operating room, they're like, "Well, your name is Chris, so do you, when you wake up, what do you want to be called? Like Chris Christopher?" And I just looked at them. And I said Spartacus. <laughs> Spartacus. <or> so Spartacus. <laughs> and this is on. This is the like. And now I'm saying this now on like Kirk Douglas just died like this past yeah. week. So yeah. Uh, and so I I woke up in the operating room. No one says no. Sorry, not operating room. I woke up in the recovery room. <laughs> you and, didn't wake up in the operating room. And I was. And I was. You yell Spartacus. <laughs> I said it myself. When no one okay. no one called me anything when I woke up. It was very weird. They just looked at me like, "Who are you?" Because oh, I was high on morphine when I woke up, and I started flipping through the channels, and Mortal Kombat Annihilation was on. And then I'm, I'm still not like, I, again, I saw the movie before, so I'm pretty sure at the end they all turn into animals, right? Or was that yes, just my morphine correct. trip? Well, okay. no, ju- just, a, just a couple of them uh, turn into, they, they use their animality from yeah. the video games. Yeah. Um, but they turn back. They're not just, they're not like that forever. And then am I crazy or does Raiden, again, was this the morphine or does Raiden get a haircut halfway through the movie? He does. He gets a cool, but because everybody thinks he's spoiler alert for anybody who's really holding out on seeing Mortal Kombat Annihilation with well, no spoilers, but everybody thinks he's dead and he comes back with this cool buzzed haircut. And just, it's um, just so ridiculous. Yeah. I just yeah. that part of the movie. I feel like the actor got a haircut and then he came in and they yeah. were like, "Oh no, we have to write this into the movie now." <laughs> oh, most definitely. I think it was Christopher Lambert who plays Raiden. Um, and he notoriously, I think he didn't want to do a sequel and then they just offered him so much money. He decided, yeah, I'll do it. But I think he came in with the haircut and they just said, whatever, we'll make it work. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a forever Chris Lambert fan after Highlander. Oh, so of course. I mean, he, he, he could just read the back of cereal boxes and I'd watch a movie of that. Yeah. Well, obviously Mortal Kombat, of course, is a Warner Brothers property. They bought mm-hmm. the franchise when they bought when Midway went out of business. So they scooped up like NetherRealm Studios. Well, what became NetherRealm Studios, like the developer for Mortal Kombat. And it was probably just based off of WB Interactive's relationship with 
what is now NetherRealm Studios uh, because of the DC versus Mortal Kombat games. So, yeah. So they're doing two... Uh, there's two projects that um, there's an animated movie called Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge, which is coming out this year. And there's a trailer out, which I highly suggest you check out. And then they're also making a movie. And is it is James Wan producing that one or I? Yes. And uh, Luddy Lynn, the actor who played Zack the Black Ranger in the newest Power Rangers movie will play a lead in the new Mortal Kombat. He'll play Liu Kang. He was oh, nice. also an Aquaman, which uh, James Wan directed. And, you know, now, as you said, he's producing this Mortal Kombat. So it seems like Wan, like, brought him over. And Very cool. I mean, he's he's excellent in that in the new Power Rangers movie. Yeah, uh, I really like him in that, too. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, let's see, Sissy Stringer will play Melina. Mehad Brooks will play Jax. Joe Taslim is Sub Zero, which is my favorite character. Yeah. Let's see. If, uh, we were talking about uh, Raiden or Raiden before. Tadanobu Asano is in final no- negotiations to play him. Uh, Jessica McNamee will play Sonya Blade. Josh Lawson as Kano. Chin Han as Shang Tsung, and Hiroyuki Sanada as Scorpion and Louis Tan in some undisclosed role. And Simon McCoy is directing. Greg Russo is writing uh, the movie. And Greg Russo actually, uh, he just uh, liked the tweet that, because uh, I tweeted out my uh, appendix story in watching Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and he liked it. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, and he said for this new, mushi- um, new movie, the new Mortal Kombat. He said, the mission statement for the new film has always been, we don't want to repeat what we've already seen that doesn't apply to anybody. I don't think they... And they already have those films. So at the same time, we wanted to tell a new story that's going to be exciting, but that's going to be faithful to the lore and the games that everybody knows and loves. So it seems more like well, a continuation or something. Well, and what's great about the games is, I mean, they don't overcomplicate the story just because it is, uh, you know, a fighting game. And so I feel like there are a ton of different ways you can go with that and you're not breaking any rules of canon, yeah. uh, especially if you're not, especially if you're not just trying to stick to the older, the original movies. I feel like if you're mainly just going off the games and what's been established in those, uh, you don't have to worry about stepping on any fans' toes. I think they're ready for kind of any, uh, plot developments you want to throw at them. Um, yeah. Mainly because it's a tournament style game, so it makes sense you can go in any kind of direction with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I love Mortal Kombat. Uh, I, lo- I love all the ninjas in it specifically, like even like Rain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and all the other all the other colors. And Cyrex and Smoke, and I mean, they've got all kinds the, of. Yeah, those cyborgs. are the cyborg ninjas. Yeah, those are really yeah. cool too. For sure. Oh, and I should have been more uh, specific before because Birds of Prey comes out this weekend. Is that um, and and it'll have already been out for the people uh, listening to this. But nice. uh, Keanu Reeves stunt double in The Matrix and John Wick director Chad Stahelski uh, directed the some of the action scenes for Birds of Prey. So very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, action scenes are very hard to pull off. So uh, there's there's like very specific. It's a very specific directing style, and I feel like 
feel like these big movies should have a second unit director who's very specialized in directing action scenes in particular, you know? Um, most but, definitely. Yeah. Because you want, uh, I mean, sometimes the scenes are mixed up. Like, you get an emotional scene with action, like in the Pirates movie, where they're getting married as they're fighting, which I really like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, it's kind of like some of the best musicals is if you can make, if you can make a good fight scene or a good action scene feel interwoven into the story and make it feel organic, those are the best ones. Or it, 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 that that's the only flaw with some, or not the only flaw, but that's one of the flaws with Mortal Kombat and some of the some of the scenes from the first two movies is because it's it's a tournament. Some of those fight scenes just feel shoehorned in for the sake of. Uh, fight scenes, uh, but when you have somebody who has been a stuntman or directed fight scenes before, I think they know how to consult and how to tie it into the story and make it make it feel fluid with what's uh, with what's going on. For sure, yeah. yeah, it's really cool. And and talking about fight scenes and fight movies, The Matrix, like a huge uh, yeah. Warner Brothers property that was like like it went from the matrix to harry potter in terms of like their big movies that they're releasing like they did these three matrix movies and then they then they were so confident that they were able to make eight harry potter movies is that the matrix four has officially been not only announced but they're directing right now as we speak probably well and is it just lena wachowski who is a uh, uh... Is directing or yeah, writing and writing thing? and directing. So okay, so that'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah, so Keanu Reeves is back as Neo. Uh, Carrie, uh, Carrie, Carrie and Moss. Carrie and Moss as Trinity. Yeah, yeah, and then Lana is the writer director, uh, all returning, and uh, that's yeah, yeah, like you said, Lana Okowski, not my cat, Lana Leopard. Although I yeah. feel like Lana Leopard, my cat, can make a really good Matrix movie for sure. I'd watch that Matrix movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Meowtrix. <laughs> the the Meowtrix, exactly. Yeah, she'd just be like meowing like she does at six thirty in the morning to hang out <laughs> over and over and over again. You mean trying to let you know that the. Uh... Uh, what do they call them? Not the suits, but what are they? <laughs> the agent, the agent Smith yeah. is is in the house somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mister Artemis, like my other cat, yeah. turns into Agent Smith, but he's exactly. like he's only like a foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Noticeably as- absent though is Lily Wachowski, who wrote and directed all three films with her sister. So I don't know what happened there, but. I don't either. That's why I mean I, I have high hopes for the Matrix Four, but it just it's that that's such a lightning in a bottle type idea that if you don't have both of the main you know creatives back for it, I, mm-hmm. I just I worry. But I mean I, I, they're both geniuses, so hopefully she can pull it off. Yeah, I think so. I mean I love that universe. I think that I've always wanted to see more of like being in the Matrix because after the yeah, first yeah. movie, it didn't. Like the the Matrix never felt lived in anymore because they, they. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it just felt like a fun like place to like be in slow motion and stuff. Um, so I don't. It would be fun if they really focus in on like being stuck in the Matrix for a while or something like that. Yeah, I uh, agree. And I mean that some of the most exciting scenes are the idea that. Uh, um, 
you know, people, uh, people stuck in the matrix having to escape. And then if they don't, then, you know, seeing their, their bodies face the consequence, you know, in the real world. And I think that whenever you actually just start having scenes in the, uh, exclusively in the real world and matrix revolutions, it just kind of loses some of that tension that I think the first one builds so beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. And love that first one. It's, yeah, it's great. So May 21st, 2021, the Matrix 4 uh, is going to be released from Warner Brothers. But also on that day from Lionsgate is going to be, do you know? Uh, Insurgent 8. I don't know. John Wick 4. Nice. So, so, that's, so, a, that's a much better one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, fans are are celebrating, are going to, well, right now up to it, like hopefully the movies stay on that same day. Because May twenty first, twenty twenty one, is being called Keanu Reeves Day. That'd be a good double feature. Yeah. So, why yeah. one will probably lift the other one up, or like, what are the what are they thinking there between Lionsgate and? I mean, I hope Warner so. Brothers? I hope. I hope they're probably thinking. Well, one is more sci fi, obviously, and the other one's more of a straight action movie. Um, and maybe I, I would think that the Matrix might just based on its name might do so well that people will say what else Keanu Reeves or what else action can I get my hands on? Well, let's go see this also. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's the only kind of rationale I can think of behind that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they should release them in tandem or something, but it's not the same studio. So they're just like just direct competition. It's like when Armageddon and that other asteroid movie were released at the same time. Yeah, and maybe they maybe the Matrix is a much higher budget, even though John Wick probably isn't exactly inexpensive to produce. So maybe the idea is, well, we don't have to have as astronomical a return as we're expecting from the Matrix Four, um, but we can make up for it with some of that uh, with 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 just using that as a lead in and using Keanu Reeves's name value. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. There was always that rumor that they wanted to make a prequel to The Matrix with Michael B. Jordan as a young Morpheus, which would have been mm. interesting. And yeah. I just hope, because they're opening up, at, like, how I feel, and I think how you feel, too, with making a Matrix 4, is you're opening it up now that you have to make two more after this. Like, now we're going to have four movies instead of, a, like, a perfect little trilogy. So, like, yeah. I mean perfect in saying, like, one two three is a perfect thing like and and not in terms of like that those movies in particular but anything like if, if you make it into a trilogy then it feels more like there's a beginning middle and conclude and end conclusion yeah and uh i mean especially with how big a phenomenon the matrix trilogy was to begin with it just seems natural at least for this franchise uh, to try to do another series of three films where I, I can think of maybe some examples where you don't like John Wick. I think if John Wick four didn't make a ton of money, you might not necessarily have to do John Wick five and six. It's true. Yeah. Uh, but, but with but that's something a, that big. Yeah. But, but that one feels more episodic. Uh, whereas the matrix feels serialized enough to where it feels like they want to tell a story that takes three movies to tell. Yeah. With something as big as the matrix for sure. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. It's like star Wars. Like imagine if they were like, we're going to make seven. Uh, no, I think we're good there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if, even if for whatever reason, the force awakens had just bombed and nobody had seen it, which wouldn't have happened. 
But if that had happened, like I think you still make eight and nine just because it's expected and and it drives merchandise and and it signals to people that you know we believe in this brand and and that we believe that it has a future. So yeah, uh, I and, think it's the same kind of thing with this. Yeah, I mean I do have a couple other uh, notes here, but they're not important. I mean, Sci-Fi canceled Krypton and the Lobo Pilot. Oh, I didn't see that. Forward. Yeah. I want to. I mean, that was. Yeah, I've been been too busy to watch much of anything lately. But I, I did want to see Krypton. I mean, it looked like a, like just such a cool twist on Superman. And and at first, when I heard the pitch for it, it seemed a little hokey. But all the advertising I've seen for it seems uh, really organic, and it seems like it's well thought out. And and, and like you said, uh, bringing Lobo back. Uh, but uh, yeah. But yeah, that's sad. Hopefully we'll see these actors playing these characters again on like other Greg Berlanti shows like Legends of Tomorrow or The Flash or something, you know, because that'd be great. Spoilers for Crisis on Infinite Earths, 543210. But I believe Ezra Miller's The Flash, Barry Allen, cameoed on the TV show The Flash with Grant Gustin's Flash. So there's pictures of the two Flashes together. Yeah. Yeah. That would make complete sense too. Um, so, so did they uh, cancel the Lobo spinoff series too, or do, are they just not going forward with it? They're not going forward with it. Uh, you know, it's sad because CW seems like they're firing out on all cylinders right now, and Sci-Fi seems like they. I mean, it, it always seems like every year their content's getting more interesting and innovative, and then right when I think they have something going it they just like the everything expanse. gets canceled yeah. yeah or even uh caprica like like i thought right when oh, that yeah. was getting going they were like nope it's gone and they had another battlestar galactica spinoff like blood and sand no it was chrome and blood blood and chrome yeah and, blood and chrome i think which i've seen that's when i was i was interning at usa network which is also oh, and sci-fi network i was I, on, on the same floor i think i think it was the 14th floor and uh it says sci-fi network usa network i was in external development so we developed the show i just want my pants back for mtv you and know. then three inches wasn't that another one you had three inches i remember that pilot yeah, wasn't the guy superpower? He could move anything three inches with his mind. Yeah, like all everyone's superpowers were pathetic, and then James, <laughs> James Marston, Spike from Buffy, um, uh, then got all of these weirdos together, and then taught them that they can actually do really cool things with their dumb powers. And his was able to the, pick the, locks. Yeah, you see, that's that's such a perfect premise, but it does seem like the hardest thing to execute. Like that, yeah. like that that hook itself. Is so interesting and intriguing, and uh, and then, uh, but but yeah, I, I could definitely see how on a TV show budget and 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 without the right development, I could see the it not working out. But anyway, yeah. that, that was a sidebar. Oh no! And against the wall for a lifetime, we developed. Yeah, which was really that was another one of that was an underrated lifetime uh, series. I mean, that was that was kind of before. Uh, now Lifetime developed you, and they the first season was on Lifetime, and that was really interesting. And have you seen? With un- yeah, have you seen you? Bl- I have. I, I really enjoy it. I Me thought too. Season one and season two is really good. Yeah, I think season um, one's like a really perfect little thing, and I think season yeah. two, like especially the character forty, uh, was really really great. Like, just it was really interesting, and fascinating. And, and, and it does. I mean, it gets. 
season two gets a little crazy and it does owe a lot to Dexter in terms of inspiration. Um, but regardless, I mean, I, I think that Against the Wall was a very underrated Lifetime show. And then you have a bunch of shows like Unreal and You Come After It that are pushing the envelope that that did work out for a while. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I thought, and I think it's the same with sci-fi. It's like where I feel like as soon as they start to have something that I really connect with or that seems to have a spark of like originality, it just seems like they... They want to move on to the next development slate. Yeah, see, I think for Universal, who owns Sci-Fi Network and USA Network, they developed the Peacock, their like app, like way oh, like, yeah. streaming service. I think they they came to that like way later than they expected, and so like I think things like the Expanse, which could have been on, and I think they do they own Lifetime as well. Uh, I don't. They own uh, well, so any, like now. Any owns- Andy owns Lifetime, and Disney owns like uh, at least forty percent of Andy. Okay. And then I think, and I think Universal owns like twenty or thirty percent. Um, Andy is such a such a weird little entity because I'm not sure any of these big companies owns fifty one percent. I think it's like Disney owns forty, NBC Universal owns like twenty or thirty, and then somebody else owns ten or twenty. Okay, that's um, interesting. Yeah, they all have a little yeah. hand in but the be, bucket. But, but because of that, I, I mean, I'm biased, but, uh, but I think A&E is a fantastic situation because they can kind of, they can buy shows from anybody, uh, and they can pitch to anybody because they have these kind of relationships. Um, and so, uh, and it's the same with Lifetime. Like since Lifetime's under the A&E umbrella, they theoretically can really buy from anybody and they can sell to anybody because they have these relationships with their parent companies. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I I think that if they had the foresight of the Peacock uh, streaming service, then they would have kept the expanse on Sci-Fi because then they would have known that it would have gone to their streaming service. I think oh, that yeah. I think they would have fought harder for Friends. I mean, I th- obviously Warner Brothers is like, no, not only do we have Friends, but they just signed every. They're they're like in the final talks to sign everyone for the reunion show for HBO Max. Yeah, it's reportedly each actor's getting three to four million dollars uh, uh, for this hour-long special, and and it kind of makes sense because I think the way the agent pitched it was that hey, all the you know Dave Chappelle, all these comedians are getting paid about twenty million for an hour stand-up special. Uh, so if you want an hour reunion special, you have to come close to that with your talent budget. So that comes out to about three to four million each for all of them. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least that's, I don't know if that's how the agent pitched it, but to me, I think that's the numbers that they're shooting for is you pay $20 million for some of these individuals to do an hour long special. You have to have that kind of talent budget if you want to come close to getting these actors for something. Yeah. That is crazy. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then also for HBO Max, they, um, the, the, Warner Brothers Pictures and HBO Max have this combined thing called Warner Max, which is going to make about, I think it's about four movies per year for HBO Max. And it's just going to be a new, uh, it's going to be a new uh, production label that they'll be able to develop content movies specifically for HBO Max. So Warner Max wow. is now a thing. And so, and Warner Max is going to be more of a, 
production company like you're saying like that that's not a streaming service there warner max is developing for hbo max. hbo max okay yeah. got it yeah i think it's like you know the like there's warner brothers pictures in new line and then like underneath them there's like this warner max brand that'll curate that content sense. for eight for hbo max i i would love hbo max to be called warner max and part of hbo you know yeah I- I agree. I I don't know. I guess they just really believe in that HBO brand so much that they want to call it all HBO. Uh, but but it it does seem that literally the way it should be called would be everything's under the Warner umbrella and HBO TV is just a part of that. Um, but I guess you know there's smarter minds at work than me playing on all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I've, I think we're like pretty much caught up on all the news now. There's news about the flight attendant. I don't think we care. Uh, yeah. Lena Dunham set up shop at HBO. Um, yeah. Um, so are these are these deals like Lena Dunham's HBO deal? Is that under like a Warner deal, or is it? Or is HBO still? having holding talent deals i think they have their own talent deals and some people have an hbo slash hbo max talent deal and i think some people just have it with one or the other got it yeah and also uh we we did say in an earlier episode that michael shannon was going to be in showtime on hbo but instead uh he left and he's going to be replaced by john c Riley. and the show is currently known as the untitled showtime lakers project formerly known as showtime because they're not going to call it showtime i think that's a smart move i was i thought that was i mean i got it because they used to call the lakers of the 80s and 90s you know showtime just with magic johnson and cream of Jabbar. yeah uh but yeah when you when your rival network is called showtime it's just impossible yeah um but I mean, John, John C. Riley should be a perfect fit uh, with his relationship with Adam McKay as one of the producers. So Absolutely, yeah. Hopefully, that should be just as good. Yeah, newcomers Quincy Isaiah and Solomon Hughes have been cast as NBA legends Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, respectively. I remember seeing either you told me about this or I read this somewhere that there was a casting notice where they're just looking for any actor who is like over six, nine to play Kareem. And so they were really having to cast a wide net to find. Oh, and I guess uh, they did it. Play him. Yeah. 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 Well, and going back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically, um, all we have, I guess, um, new line one bought first time writer, Melanie toast script shut a shut-in about a single mother whose kids are left stranded after a crazy ex holder captive toast lives in a small texas town and she posted her script on the blacklist website where it was seen by producers dan farah and dallas sonier so uh, that's just great that's just great like you know anybody out there wherever you are you, you throw your script up on the blacklist it could be bought yeah i mean i I had heard uh, mixed reviews for the blacklist from people in the industry, uh, just in terms of rumors of uh, of people being able to influence ratings or even buy ratings. Oh, um, sure, yeah. Uh, but but uh, but I, I had great luck with it, and I've heard uh, obviously that is like the perfect story of somebody coming out of that uh, development pipeline. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it, I think it can be. 
I think it can be hit or miss, but I do know it's, it seems even from, especially after the news of that deal, that people, you know, look at that site and they look to see what comes out of it. And it's, it's becoming more of a legitimate force. Yeah. Absolutely. So I feel like we're, we're, we are caught up now. I don't know nice. if there's anything that you wanted to add. I think, uh, the Matrix 4 is the biggest news of this episode of this podcast probably since we haven't talked about it yet actually um yeah i I was shocked it just went into production i mean i I think i had remembered talking about it with you that it was in development but i didn't realize that they were actually shooting it until i saw a picture of keanu reeves on set the other day so right it's uh, like oh it's here it, it happened it's happening yeah yeah it's really exciting Again, I hope they make um I hope they make two more after this and they're good as well. I hope all three of them are good. I hope this one is good. I'm just excited. I'm excited for more Matrix. And on this podcast, not with you, Alex, sorry, but I will be discussing uh I think it's gonna be a a, li- a commentary of each Matrix movie and the Animatrix. So all four things. So four different episodes. Uh, with someone named Matt Vicari. So nice. that'll be very exciting. He is a The Matrix expert. So I believe it. Yeah. I mean, that sounds, that sounds legit. I'll make sure to download. Excellent. So I guess that's it for the 18WB podcast. I have been your host, Booker Taylor. Chris Booker Taylor. And I'm Alex Wilson. Alex Alex Wilson. And that's all, folks. Roar! This has been a full dinosaur production.